Hey friend, I'm Sarah Magdalena and you're listening to the Daydreaming Wolves podcast in which I talk about things I love like radical self-healing, feminism, relationships, activism, plant friends and magic. Sometimes it's just me sharing my thoughts and sometimes I invite beautiful guest speakers for exciting interviews. You can subscribe on iTunes and check out my website daydreamingwolves.com as well as sarahmagdalenalove.com for all things web design and online marketing. Hey everyone, I'm so happy and excited to have my new friend Ren on the show today. I came across her work because I kind of more and more people in my Instagram world um, kept referring to her course and I was like, these people are really magical and they're all taking this course, like there has to be like, oh, I need to find out more. And interestingly, I had to come across her work last year, about half a year ago, but at the time I kind of wasn't really ready or like it wasn't that open. I remember like seeing the website and thinking like, oh, this sounds really cool. I'm going to have to check that out another time. And then this spring, it all came back to me and I signed up for her free course, which is such a beautiful, really, really generous offering. And I feel, I want to say also as a designer, it's so well made. <laughs> we just had a chat about this. You know, um, the content is amazing and the framework is amazing. And I love the thoughts that Ren is sharing and how magical she is. But it's also just really beautiful to look at and engage with. And so I'm in her two-year apprenticeship now. I've just started it. And it's been really beautiful um, so far. I've met really cool people in the community and... I love her approach because it's so, how do I say this? <laughs> it's so, it's um, on one hand, it's really non-dogmatic. I feel really encouraged to like explore my own insights and like follow my instincts and really listen to my heart, which I feel in this world is so valuable. And at the same time, I'm getting these really beautiful tools and lots of input and it feels like a really liberating process, if that makes sense. So that is my intro. I'm going to hand over to you now so you can tell us who you are and maybe also tell us where you are in the world right now, what nature is around you. Sure. Oh, thank you for that beautiful intro. So fun. I love hearing about people that kind of like, you touch it the first time and then it's like you have to kind of like go back and sort of... <laughs> walk all the way back around and then come back to it again like if you're walking through the woods and you like come upon the same like interesting pattern twice you're like suddenly you're noticing it <laughs> differently so I love hearing these kind of like circuitous like touch walk back and return to this ebb and flow and a lot of people probably in the program have the same experience even though once they get into it then there'll still be this moment of like and then they touch something a little deeper and it's like and we will ebb now <laughs> And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I'm ready to dig back into it. Yeah. Okay, so thank you for that. My name is Ren Zadapek, um, and my site, renzadapek.com, is all about spirit work. So all of these courses that I'm offering, all of the information that I'm giving, and the practices and guided workings, it's all about spirit work, which I recognize when people arrive at my site, they're like, oh, that sounds good. What is that exactly? <laughs> is that, like, is that which? witchcraft but like about spirits or is this like something else is it just like a word for being spiritual what is spirit work mm -hmm. and there's definitely like a marketing conversation here where it's like you chose a keyword that people are not necessarily looking for <laughs> when you choose like a word that people aren't as familiar with um but spirit work is basically this being in conversation and relationship with life 
And in a sort of animist view where everything can kind of be experienced as alive, um, our own spirit, our soul, things around us, plants around us, yes, the nature where I live, which is part of your question. Um, so that is who I am and what I'm doing. I'm an online spirit work teacher. And I live in Los Angeles, which is kind of still bizarre to me, even though I've been here over a decade now, somehow that happened. <laughs> um, I grew up in Texas, deep in the nature, deep in forests and thunderstorms and massive skies and fields that are just like crazy with wind and all of that like intense um, energy that was in that land. And then moving to Los Angeles, the nature here is unnaturally diverse because I could describe California and like give you the like oh California isn't but I live in Los Angeles like I live in the valley and it is unnaturally and yet in its own way kind of beautifully diverse it's like the people like there's a mixture of folks and they brought all their plants from all over the world pretty much any plant that loves sun somebody is growing it here there are, you know, ethical questions about invasive species constantly, and yet that is the environment. There's just, you know, tons and tons. You just drive down the boulevard, and it's like trees from around the world. <laughs> Nothing that was ever here, you know, 200 years ago is now everywhere. Um, even some of the trees here, like jacaranda, is this beautiful tree that multiple times a year is covered in purple, like lavender blossoms, and just you're my, I have one out in front of my house and like my whole front yard is just purple flowers certain times of year. But it's like just one of these things that we have our like jacaranda season and it's like, you know, Asian pear ornamental pear season and all these things that are just, um, so that's kind of LA nature is that it's sunny and anything that loves sun, really bright, intense sun is happy here as far as plants. And I guess the same for people, any people that love really intense sun and that kind of fits actually the spirit of place because it's all about the spotlight and mm. Hollywood and shining lights on things. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> That's really interesting. How did you come to live in LA? I came out here for school. Like I don't think that I would have chosen it except that I wanted to get a writing degree but I was really interested in film. So I got a film writing degree, and that's what they have here in LA. You can get those here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's totally specialized. Yeah, cool. That's beautiful. Um, so I listened to another podcast interview that you were on, and so I already know a little bit about your backstory in terms of becoming magic or like magic finding you. But can you tell our listeners a little bit more about? What an interesting child you were <laughs> and how you became so magical. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny because I think somewhere on my site I mentioned the word free spirit. I use that one a lot because free spirit was like, you know, one of the nicer ways to put like, what a weird kid. <laughs> free spirited, just very free spirited. Um, and I was like, as a kid, I was constantly like talking to things. I was... Like I said, I already lived in Texas. I had this strong relationship with the weather. I was just talking to the sky and constantly like doing little spells. I don't know where I picked up all of this, but it's like, these berries are my potion. And just <laughs> stuff out of the front yard, you know, this mud pie is medicine, you know. <laughs> Painting on the walls, just that kind of kid, like head in the clouds. Um, and I was really uh, prone to trance. So it's like if we're on a long car ride, 
then I am just like, you know, entire movies going through my head, like Mm -hmm. intense stories, tons of invisible friends Mm -hmm. and relationships with the things around me. The first time we moved houses, I was like, but I have a relationship with this house. This house has a name. Oh, walls. Like it was such a big deal to somehow recognize this kind of like, Um, shift in place when I had a relationship with the place as if it was a person, like we're leaving a family member. And then as childhood ends, because in childhood everybody's a little bit like that. I mean, not all kids, but everybody's a little bit like talking to stuff and imaginary friends. That's not weird. And then you get a little older and most people kind of grow out of that. And I just didn't. Um, And it moved from this sort of like, in between phase where you're like, oh, I'm still feeling magical. I'm still talking to the weather and the weather's talking back to me. (laughs) What do I do with that? Um, And that ebb and flow, pushing it away a little bit. Um, I think on the other podcast I described it as like, I'm a writer. That's what I am. I'm not a witch. I'm a writer. (laughs) My other W word. And then kind of coming back around to, oh, no, no, that that might actually be witchery. And researching that, um, when most people kind of go through the phase of pushing it away, I went through the phase of like devouring every book I could find and just filling myself with information and training so that now I'm happy to say as an adult, I'm actually better at magic than I was as a kid, where most people are have this experience of like, I'm trying to get back to what I'm pretty sure I could do as a kid. <laughs> um, so just lucky and that I didn't take a long break. And there's nothing wrong with taking a long break. I think a lot of people, in a way, have a more healthy relationship with it because they took a couple decades off Mm -hmm. and then had to, like, find their desire for it. And so, like, it was different. By the time they come back to it, like, they really want it. They have a love for it. Um, Whereas I spent years um, as a late teenager, early 20s, overwhelmed by it having wonderful experiences but confused about it all the time and what's going on with me am I crazy like all that kind of stuff I wasn't um I was having all of the experiences and on the one hand I couldn't keep my hands off of it and on the other hand just not having guidance other than trying to like chew through books and Mm. find things that we're going to talk about my experience and at least even though these books may exist for me when i was getting started a lot of what i was reading wasn't necessarily confirming the spirit work side mm. of what i was doing i was looking more at books about you know calling the quarters and celebrating the sabbats and you know making magical recipes and i hadn't really found the material right off the bat that was confirming like yes and talking to things and creating change and candles that light themselves and all this other stuff that i was experiencing so it was beautiful when i came into community and works that started sort of confirming that yeah that's beautiful awesome yeah. Magical journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I loved some of the um, concepts that you introduced in your introductory um, course as well. Because I was such a dreamy child too, and I was constantly taught, mm. like, Sarah should really engage more in class. <laughs> like, <laughs> she has a habit of daydreaming. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and I daydreaming love, wolves. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I love, um, I love the... The, 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 like how you introduced us to trance is really interesting because I think I've always had this really intense longing for like extraordinary experiences and just going deeper. I'm also a Scorpio, so like that's just my thing. <laughs> and um, 
And I think as teenagers and in my early 20s, I just explored ways of creating these experiences that were not as sustainable. And I'm now all about like the more, the trippy stuff that is more sustainable. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, I totally hear you on that. Could you maybe expand a little bit more? You kind of already said a little bit about this, but um, on your website, it also says that you um, think of yourself as a traditional spirit worker. Can you, mm. that's, and, and names are hard and so powerful at the same time, aren't they? Like, was that a journey for you to come up with this term or like, how do you feel about it now? Yeah. Um, well, I'll start with the way that I define traditional spirit worker is we're teaching spirit work and anybody can do spirit work, moving in, encountering our spirit, developing that relationship. And that's just spirit work. And then there's a place for uh, modern spirit work where you're kind of working with, you know, your environment around you and technology and encountering things in your world that are current. And then traditional spirit work, most people then picture is like, well, that's going to be the counterpoint to modern. Like it's old timey spirit work, like spirit work that draws upon everything the ancestors knew. But what the ancestors knew was that they drew upon themselves, that they had to have the dreams and the visions come out of them. They didn't have the library and the internet to go gather. Well, how do I do spirit work? So traditional in part means sourcing from within yourself and from within um, the voices within, contacting your own ancestors, getting in touch with what they're bringing. And then traditional is taking what they've said with a grain of salt and saying, is that right for me right now? Instead of turning it into religion where you get worshipful and, oh, the ancestors said it, therefore this is what I am called to do and I must. And then the other piece that makes um, spirit work traditional to me is when it becomes in service of a community. Yeah, That's the big difference. Spirit work, the traditional spirit worker was somebody who served a community in some way through teaching, through healing, through offering something. And we kind of picture that then as like the modern professional witch or tarot reader or teacher. But as long as it's a community, so to me, serving, not serving, bow down serving, but assisting, offering help, being in relationship with the ancestors, that's a community. So maybe it's something nobody knows that you do, mm-hmm. but you have this relationship of assisting ancestors, of helping people pass over, of helping spirits that get lost, and that, that's the community you serve, and now your role is traditional. It has to do with this assisting of community, as opposed to, like, I'm just working on myself, which is so important, too, and kind of happens before necessarily moving into service, but at some point it's like, and I've done all this work on myself, and now what do I do with it? Mm-hmm. And so for a lot of people, that just turns into the next thing you do mm. is you start sourcing other people's questions. You're like, I actually worked on a lot of my questions. I spent a decade getting every question out of me. And now it's like other people's questions become beautiful. And it just sort of shifts and you kind of step into that more yeah. traditional role. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. I, mean, I feel like herbalists do this too, right? Because it's like you start with like, I need healing. I'm going to learn about plants. I'm going to learn about plants. I'm going to try all the plants. Yeah. I'm going to train in plants. And then all of a sudden it just turns into this like, now I've done all this stuff with plants. Well, what do I do? And you yeah. evolve into the like, I'm going to teach people about plants. Yeah. I'm going to share plants. <laughs> I'm going to connect people with plants. I'm going to serve yeah. the plant community by helping people respect them, mm. help people by, you know... <laughs> Yeah, I totally, totally feel the same. I I started studying herbalism almost two years ago, and 
I feel like it's never been my intention to become like a community herbalist or anything like that but you just can't help but share the plants because they're so magical mm -hmm. and I think that is part of having an actual relationship with nature and with the, the specific plants that you're working with mm -hmm. to me um, ask them like like you know how can I support you and they just want to be shared they want you know they want their magic to mm -hmm. be known I think yeah yeah <laughs> everybody <laughs> wants a little respect yeah. Little recognition. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah totally um I really the first time my aloe bloomed it was like look at me yeah, yeah. <laughs> I took three years to make this incredible flower like please take a photo <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> look sing at my hat <laughs> sing to me like touch my paddles and like yeah yeah make it last the experience yeah totally also experience your work as very accessible because like you said you don't really um center people having specific tools so much which i really love and i i really love the tools you know i have a small collection of crystals that i'm totally in love with and um i'm just looking over at my little altar of herbs here um, but I just find that there's very little uh, um, assumptions in your work, which I really love. Mm -hmm. And that makes me feel like people of all kinds of backgrounds and genders and uh, sexual orientations and locations and, you know, um, can can be a part of this, which is really beautiful. Just as a side note, it's great. <laughs> um, I'm actually really excited about that piece because... Someone, as someone who's done a lot of different training and moved in a lot of different groups, and I've been in some really open, beautiful groups as well, but there's often an experience of like, oh, I'm working with these folks and our focus is on the Celtic pantheon and Celtic mythology and Celtic magic, and you fall in love with these people and you're learning and you're doing great things, and then all of a sudden you feel this like, oh, but I want to learn about Norse mythology, and it's like, er, well, then it's time to move on from that community and find new people. And so building something where people are one free to come and go mm -hmm. so that there's not this kind of like expectation that you're going to stay and be a part and support the community you're allowed to kind of come and do this ebb and flow and dance in and out of all the things you want to explore but that it can be stable because there is no expectation that everybody has the same thing that they're following or working on um, and like you said same with gender and sexual orientation there's no constant like and here's the goddess and god it must be binary it's like no it's whatever yeah. i'll just <laughs> keep everything a little bit more general so that yeah. people can put in what they're working with yeah. and then we can all play together and share without having to have someone eventually be like well i thought i was okay with it being binary and now i'm really not feeling that and i have to go find a new community yeah. again yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that would be heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I was wondering if you might be up for sharing some of your favorite regular practices with us. I know that you already have, uh, I know that you also have a, a background in bodywork, which is really mm -hmm. interesting and kind of made so much sense to me when I first heard about this, because I think mm -hmm. there's so much magic to be experienced in the exchange, the physical exchange with another person, that kind of energy and um, yeah, I am. Um, I'm a, a body worker too. I've trained in Thai yoga massage and some other practices, and they are so important to me. I love bringing magic into that, and love bring, bringing plans in as well. So, yeah, mm. maybe tell us a little bit about what you love doing. Ooh, sign, sign me up for one of those. I'll take the Thai <laughs> yoga plant magic massage. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so, as far as favorite practices. 
um, my regular kind of daily things that I do. One thing I really love that when I first started magic was so funny. As a typical kid, I was like, I don't care about this at all. But now as an adult, I love spiritual hygiene. Like I just love like cleansing, grounding, just like you know, getting into my skin, feeling my thresholds, just like not, um, and I call it hygiene because I like to use this metaphor with folks because sometimes spiritual cleansing can be so otherworldly that we don't always treat it with the kind of, um, what's the word, like rational thinking that we would do with regular hygiene where it's like, how many times should I wash my hands? It's like, well, a couple, but not all day long, every day, like they're not meant to be perfectly sanitized. You can scrub yourself raw, and this is true with spirit stuff too. So yeah. I just use hygiene as the metaphor for <laughs> like take a shower, wash your hair occasionally. We talked about this before we got on the show today too. Wash your hair occasionally. <laughs> you don't need to do it four times a day. That gets a little that gets a little much, and yet. Um, sometimes when people are learning spiritual cleansing or protection, that's totally the way it gets talked about. Like, mm. make sure you've made your pink bubble and that you're in it all day long when you're around negative energy. And for me, it's just kind of like, if I get mud splattered, I'm going to take a shower later. It's cool. Like dealing with people is messy and I want to be in contact and feel it kind of like with plants. You want to be in the garden. Like, yeah, I'm going to go get my hands dirty. And it's the same kind of with body work. Yeah. It's like if I walked into body work wearing my like pink shield, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to make sure I don't pick anything up, you know, off of this person. It's like, no, I'm going to go in there and we're going to like get messy. I'm going to be up to my elbows and <laughs> grease and experience of their body and sharing and usually their feelings, you know, it's overflowing. It's super just like wonderful, messy work. This is the Scorpio thing too. Scorpio moon's like, let me touch it. <laughs> gross can I touch it <laughs> and just like this willing and it's funny actually in body work school I don't know if you experience this but there's a lot of people that come in they're like oh this work seems really beautiful and then the first time they got their hands on a real stank foot they're just like I'm out yeah but then some of us are like wow feet oh all the different kinds of feet different toes oh this is amazing <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's totally the Scorpio moon thing. It's yeah. just like, oh, I just love like digging in and experiencing and being with people through all of the mm. sensations of kind of coming into their body. And body work and trance work is really so right there because how many times like you have somebody in a massage and they are just like <laughs> In a totally altered state. They're yeah. like, I don't know where I was. <laughs> I'm somehow in my body more than I've been all day, and yet I'm out of my mind. Yeah, I'm yeah. so, like, relaxed and noodly. And um, so that kind of flowed one into the other as well. And that is one of my daily practices. I love doing body work for myself, you know, getting the tennis ball under my feet and just standing there and experiencing my own gnarly toes and <laughs> yeah. melting over things. Um, which is funny because I actually have a really difficult body. I have a neurological disability and a lot of challenges physically, which is often people's story when they're like, and how did you become a body worker? It's like, well, my body was jacked. <laughs> so of course I went to body work school. We just said this with plants. I went in to kind of heal myself and then it turned out. <laughs> it turns around and you start offering it to other people. Um, and yet for me, that kind of willingness to stay in touch with what part of me is most difficult, which for me is my health, is definitely part of my daily practice that's really useful. And I would say that was not my practice when I was a teenager. It was much more like, how can I get like out of my mind crazy with whatever I can <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
tell me more about astral projection, not tell me more about getting into my body. Are we getting old now that it's like, oh, I can't wait to get into my body later. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Embodiment night is is the it's so trippy. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was searching outside of my body for such a long time, but it's all in here. Yeah. <laughs> it really it really is. And that was um, you know, one of my inspirations for the program that you're in now, this apprenticeship, is it's sort of like well, if we're going to have this longer program and it's going to be general in the sense that people can really hang with it no matter what cultures or experiences or paradigms or metaphors or definitions they want to use, they're going to be able to hang out in this work. I was like, what do we have in common? We have bodies. We're human. We live. We die. These are the things that everybody really can touch and yet that's part of what makes the work so potent and terrifying it's like oh dying that is like an actual thing we're all gonna do that we can talk about and yet of all the things that people are like i don't mm, maybe not that's not (laughs) unless you're talking about like fantasy afterlife oh yeah but no you're talking about like dying in the body oh and yet there's so much real magic in that and of course Scorpio over here is nodding at me like, oh, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> let's do that. I can't wait for that meditation. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And like becoming Earth again and all of that. Yeah. I think that Scorpios, I, I want to have a little bit of Scorpio pride here because I think that <laughs> there's a lot of Scorpio shame as well. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Where, where people are like, oh, you're so intense. Be really careful when you date a Scorpio kind of thing. But I think, I think think Scorpios are really great at closure and celebrating the small death and being really real about like what life and death is and um mm-hmm. yeah not shying away from that so high five us <laughs> yes but, and it's funny because we had in the intro course the lesson on desire for intensity as one of the pitfalls and things that can get out of balance in our practice and that's definitely like a Scorpio I'm looking at you desire for intensity and yet there is something about that that's also the motivation for doing something like spirit work. When you have someone of any astrological flavor that's sort of like, I just can't keep my hands off of deeper work. Whenever I hit like a level, I'm like, ooh, this is deep. And it's like, but could I go deeper? Those are the people that, you know, want to come into community where they can have an experience of just like, and what's next? And what's next? And what's next? And to not run out of depths because they've kind of hit the bottom of the pool and they're like oh Mm. take me to the ocean (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 totally (sighs) this is so nice (laughs) yay i'm having fun i was like did i get oh regular practices i was like moving back around um so spiritual hygiene i love doing body work with myself i love having a weekly kind of family dinner with my spirits Mm -hmm. So there was a time when it was all like, I just kind of constantly was like talking with all of them and chattering and being intense and in this kind of more constant relationship. But now as I've grown, I've really learned to kind of like let it go, give myself space um, to really be alone with myself, including not all of the chatter inside. And then to really set space each week to sit down at the altar put something tasty out to eat and just call in everybody and like, let's have the full gathering. Because a lot of times in the week, you know, I'm working with people or I'm working on the course and that requires me to work with specific spirits um, that are co-writing something with me or we're creating a certain thing or answering a question a certain way. But at the end of the week, it's like I've got all these other friends and maybe I haven't called them in a couple months. (laughs) 
So it's so good to just kind of create that space to actually call everybody in and connect. Like you make so many different relationships with spirits over the years when you do this work. Just And there was a time even when I was in my 20s where it was like I had met so many different spirits that I just started to keep a list. I was like, these are the names. These are all the different realms I've been and the names that I have. And of course, now as a grown woman, like, yeah, you know, if you have to have a list, like maybe you're not as close of friends as you think. <laughs> and yet, when you have the list, there's also this like, well, but how are we going to become friends unless I invite them back over for tea regularly so I can just build this ongoing relationship. So I do my weekly family dinners. Um, I have an ancestor altar that sits in the back of my piano. I have a cat, so candles are not as cool anymore. <laughs> He's very like one of those, like, let me knock everything off. Let me help you by putting everything on the floor, cats. And so I actually just play music for them. I love doing that. Just like instead of offering fire, I just give voice and we connect that way. I just play. Um, I love playing like nocturnes where all your deep feelings are <laughs> stirred. And that kind of beauty just really helps me um, stay connected with their presence um, and then right now it's just a lot of writing writing is spirit work of all things mm -hmm. especially when you're trying to write about spirit work and you've got that weird meta like yeah <laughs> staring into two mirrors facing each other into infinity where you're like i'm writing about <laughs> i'm writing about the thing i'm doing to write about this <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's beautiful i really love your writing um both in your emails and in the course and yeah, I, I really wish for everyone to experience that too sometimes. <laughs> um, can you maybe, do you have a favorite plant friend that is also part of your life at the moment? Yes. I do. I have one plant friend that has an amazing story as far as how we met. <laughs> First date with this plant friend. Um, black sage, California black sage, uh, Salvia mellifera. Uh, oh, I was like, I'm glad I remembered that because that is not what I normally call that plant. <laughs> um, but California black sage. Um, I had just moved to LA and I was out of school and was trying to kind of find my way in this landscape because I was so used to living like farm country that it was really challenging for my body and for my spirit to be in such a chaotic environment with so much human density. Mm. And I decided, I was like, what I need, even though at the time I was like, there's no yard, there's just like the apartment concrete box patio. I was like, but I need plants. That's what I need. I need green something just to remind me how to like root and touch the sky. So I go to a farmer's market and there's a stand with all the different herbs and I was like very in my head like the ones I knew because I was not experienced with herbalism and I was like, oh no, chamomile, that seems nice, it's going to fry in the sun, but I'm like, chamomile, that sounds nice, uh, lemon balm, that smells good, so I'm picking up a few and this guy comes out from behind the stand, this is his stand, he's wearing a black shirt and a sizable pentacle, <laughs> like a big like bling pentacle and he looks at me and I'm wearing scrubs because I've been working at a medical office doing body work I'm like I don't I'm not wearing my bling pentacle and he looks at me and he says I see you sister this one's for you hands me California black sage and I'm just like what and he said this one's for you and I was like oh it's it's really nice I guess I can find another dollar and he's like no 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 I don't want your money this one is for you you're gonna work with this one and I was like who are you mysterious <laughs> blinged out <laughs> mystery magic man um and I totally am embarrassed because in that moment I kind of like 
shied away and was like, um, okay, and I wandered <laughs> off. And after a week of processing what had happened and encountering this incredible spirit that he'd introduced me to, I was like, I'm going to go back and find him this week, and I'm going to come back and be like, hey, today I'm wearing my giant pentacle, and like, let's be friends, you're amazing. And I go back, and dude is gone. Oh, and I'm like asking other stands, I'm like, was there an herb guy here last week? And they're like, I don't know. We're usually kind of the same crowd. I'm like, no, last week there was a guy, black shirt, and they were just like, I don't know, lady. <laughs> so one of those bizarro. So this is how uh, black sage came into my life. Wow. And then black sage in a pot is a plant that'll live like a couple of years usually. Um, that was 12 years ago. My potted black sage is still alive. It blooms several times a year. It's had babies that I've been able to give to friends. Um, but I did have a really challenging conversation with it recently, which is that. I'm kind of on the cusp of thinking about leaving LA at some point, getting out, living in nature again. And I realized I was like, California black sage, you love LA, this is your land. If I go move to a wet, cool forest somewhere, are you coming with me? Yeah. And it was like, no. Oh. <laughs> it was like, I'm gonna, this is where I live and this is our space and time where we've connected and you will go and create a new ally that's going to root you into that land. But attached me, I was like, going back to childhood, Rin doesn't want to leave house. Yeah. <laughs> um, and funny, too, because, you know, over the years, this was a plant that I worked with in spirit work as well. I used it. Um, not just with clients as far as like the plant material, but it was a plant that I ingested small pieces of daily. I laid it into my shoes and it really integrated with my spirit. It became like you have two heads. It's like this is my black sage head that can come out of my mouth in like weird, hidden, <laughs> mystical ways. And it performed all this different kind of work with me. Um, and so realizing that that like almost like I was going to lose a limb. <laughs> in the sense of like where our spirits are so integrated now yeah. I was like what are you serious but it was interesting just as a plant to have that kind of love and kinship but they didn't have the kind of like human attachment griefy thing that I was doing I was like no <laughs> you should make an essence of it that you can take with you and to kind of help you transition maybe that would be nice yeah, I do that too in body work. I, I love that you just said that, how we ingest or like, you know, work with the plant in different ways. Um, I do that with mugwort and chamomile a lot where I like, mm. I put, will put on a mugwort oil and have some mugwort tea and like have a little bit of tincture mm -hmm. um, of it as well. And then really connecting with that in body work. Like sometimes I feel chamomile is so great for like a really sunny light massage where you just want your touch to feel like a July morning and you know <laughs> like like a really soft kind of white cotton feeling and it's so nice mm -hmm. to um because I feel like it, it really centers and clears our energy like we can be so all over the place and messy as humans and plants really are like creating that framework and support to be in the energy mm -hmm. that the person needs at the time which is really mm -hmm. That's great, yeah. <laughs> um, before we close, do you maybe want to tell us a little bit more about what your vision for the apprenticeship is? I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I've just started and I'm so excited and I love everything that you said about both the accessibility and um, 
and the framework that you created in that it kind of resembles the human experience of like being a baby and then you know becoming older and eventually dying so yeah can you share a little bit more about like what your vision for that is and um yeah <laughs> sure and it becomes this delicious teaser for you because it's like coming up next <laughs> in your world yeah um yeah the apprenticeship um my vision like i and we talked about several pieces of this is just creating something that can provide the tools that allow spirit work to happen in a really natural, um, safe, which is, I think there's a word where it's sort of like, it's not safe, like tripping out and altering your state of consciousness and talking with everything around you. But there is a way to do it that is safer, that keeps us from really falling into dogmatic beliefs and getting caught up in um, really rigid um, types of thinking. Um, I listened to one of your shows recently and you guys were talking about like the power of positivity and how that can really be a detrimental like form of dogma where we're just so caught up and like everything needs to be positive. Um, and so by moving it into the context of a human life, we kind of have all the material we need if we're willing to look at our life, which for daydreamers, this becomes really valuable. If we're willing to look at our life, our life tells us not everything is positive. We are going to have difficult experiences. In fact, we've had them. When we look at life, most of the things that we normally would be trying to pick up out of some occult tome, like, well, we have to learn about, you know, the initiatory gateway, and it's like, ooh, it's in your life. Mm. This is the original textbook, all of these different gateways and thresholds, and the fact that everybody walks a different path, the fact that we're all connected, and yet we're kind of alone doing our own thing, the fact that um, we have this rhythm in our heart, like we can move even into our body and discover the trance inside of us, you know, looking for that repetition. We can listen to our own pulse, find these things inside, and we take it outward and can be traditional and use a drum, but then we have this drum inside of us. So kind of finding everything we need on the inside is a big part of it. Moving through the phases of life, it's funny because one thing I repeatedly do as we encounter each phase is we kind of look at the mystical counterpart. So, okay, we learned all of this from actually being a baby, but the course isn't about being a baby. The course is about what is a baby spirit worker mm. where we're trying to like play with our voice and we tend to cry a lot mm. <laughs> and trying to figure out how can I be in a better relationship with all the emotion that's coming up as I try to become somebody who's capable of going deeper and doing transformative work. We shift into childhood and it's like, it's not actually about being a kid again, but what did kids know about spirit? Well, they knew about imagination, they knew how to visualize, they knew how to speak their mind, they knew how to say no if they didn't like something and put their foot down and just be really kind of simple about things. And their relationships, they knew how to make friends and a really open kind of crazy, like, hey, my name's so-and-so, now we're besties, let's do this kind of way. Um, and moving through all of that and then moving into teenagerhood, betweenhood, it's this sort of like I'm trying to figure out who I am and what I'm doing. And we see spirit workers where they're like, am I a witch or am I a this or Oren, um, you're, you cut out a tiny bit. Can we maybe turn the video off and then keep talking? So I think that would be better for the quality. 
Yeah, we just lost, I lost your video as well, so should yeah. we turn off the, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Great, and then just keep telling us more. Okay. okay. Awesome. <laughs> um, where did it first start glitching in childhood? Uh, no, 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 as a teenager, uh, not just okay. And so as a teenager, you were saying like how we play with these different identities and like, am I mm -hmm. a witch or, you know, what am I? And yeah, so carry okay. on. thank you. Yeah. So then in betweenhood, in this teenager between phase, there's this search for who am I and rebellion and kind of breaking out of everything that was our prior pattern, kind of separating ourselves out from our caregivers, finding our own way, but in a sort of um, narcissist, beautifully narcissistic way, where it really is centered on self. Yeah. Who am I? What is my soul? What can I do in the world? How can I prove myself? Um, and embracing that as a natural part of this sort of exploration of spirit. That we're going to have that point where it's really self-centered. It's really focused on who am I and what am I doing? Yeah. And yet, a lot of people get hung at that point in the work. And the beautiful thing about life is it tells us you go through that and then there's a next place to go. We get to become adults where we start to have that sense of who we are and what we're doing and then to see all of that crash down. Yeah, That's really why we call it when the adult awakenings. It's that experience of where you build something up and that first time you really realize it's not all as solid as you wanted it to be, that life has things that come up and that go away, has problems, has difficulties, yeah. has wounds, has things that don't heal easily, and that willingness to actually touch what's painful and difficult and all of our expectations shattering. We talk a lot about um, resistance in that aspect of the course in that phase. Um, and adulthood kind of teaches us how to just keep walking when you're lost in the woods. Yeah. Um, but adulthood is so much about like, am I an adult yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> is this what it is? Just kind of being confused about what I'm supposed to be doing and having all these like ideals as a teenager that then kind of crumble into my actual life and <laughs> that bewildering sensation. And yet there's a strength that comes out of it. But then we have a lot of folks that in spirit work get hung in that phase of just constantly being the wounded healer, constantly um, sourcing all of their trauma to fuel their work. But the beautiful thing about life is it teaches us move forward. There's a next phase where we become more like parents. We learn to take responsibility for these different things and to start creating life, to create meaning, yeah. where we kind of watched it all crumble in adulthood and parenthood. It's like, wait, Meaning is something I can make. If I can't find it from outside of me, then I'll start building it. I'll start yeah. giving birth to spirits. I'll write the thing I've been wanting to write. I'll create the business I've been wanting to create. And then all the difficulties that come with taking responsibility for spirits and building things, which is all relevant types of spirit work. And then even then we get stuck. But now I'm the perpetual like caregiver. So we, again, are like, move it on, move it on, experience elderhood, that place where you really start to synthesize and figure out how to make everything a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. And on into death, we do phase seven, we talk about dying and ancestral work, and then into phase eight, where people are like, what could that even possibly be? What's beyond <laughs> death? And yet that is what we do in the very last phase, which is really about... Um, the kind of spirit work that sort of stretches us outside of life, mm -hmm. but in a way that still bridges it back in, the sort of like the spirits that connect the sort of outer other world and 
humanity, having encounters with hidden spirits doing other world work, and yet seeing the other world as the kind of roots and foundation of life and being able to encounter it with that understanding because we've just walked through this whole path exploring life. So it doesn't become this just like, you know, wow, what a trip. It's like, oh, that, oh, that's kind of the root of this. And now I see how that manifests in the world. And so the vision for the course is really just that, using the human life as the textbook for learning all kinds of different mystical and magical uh, lessons and principles and techniques and moving people as well from working in their inner realm doing you know we call it guided meditations a lot of time but we're talking about guided imaginations where mm-hmm. someone tells you a story and you picture it in your head and you have a great experience yeah and then moving that into well what if i moved it from my head into my body and i had a really like emotional intense physical experience yeah. and then moving that into what if i actually had an experience that was a little bit like am i still in my body that started to seem like I was encountering something outside of myself like I really stretched to my edge and filled my space where I'm primary and started encountering things outside of me that were more beyond my control that required me to have a different relationship and then even beyond that becoming someone who can work and create change Mm. in the world because a lot of times it can be tricky we were just having this conversation the intro of course there's a Facebook group Mm -hmm. so we're talking about different stuff that's going on and someone was asking like you know you talk about how in the inner realm and the imaginary work that that's a wonderful place to start where there's a lot of people that either they feel like that's the only thing that exists they can't get beyond that there is no beyond or they think everything they're doing is beyond and there's shame around the idea that it would be imaginary but that's somehow like oh well it can't be imaginary then it's not (laughs) witchcraft if you're just working inside of yourself how lame is that (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that's interesting yeah but by working from one end of that spectrum to the other from within to without we get a real clear sense of what is within what is without so we can feel the difference in our work and not have shame about either one whether I'm not willing to think there's anything outside of me, we can start to be like, well, what if there is and play with that? And I'm not willing to work inside of me because I'm just making it all up and that's what I'm afraid people will accuse me of. (laughs) And getting familiar with that, which means in the long run, we're able to do work where we can feel the difference. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. (coughs) Yeah. Um, Oh, God, I'm so excited for the rest of the program. (laughs) So, so excited. Thank you. That's amazing. Can you maybe tell us where people can find you if they want to know more about the program or which uh, I would really recommend they do, they want to sign up for the free introduction, which is really not the kind of free introduction you would uh, expect. It is really, really (laughs) rich and there's so much to dig into. It's really beautifully made and you should totally check it out. Please tell us where. Wow, thank you. Um, my website is at renzadopec.com, which is my name, and hopefully you will have that spelled in the show notes. I for will. Folks, so <laughs> I won't do my, but renzadopec.com is my site. Um, there's a page on there that says Learn Spirit Work mm-hmm. and big, shiny, gold, caramel, tasty buttons that say <laughs> go to the intro course, enroll, go forth. It is free. Yeah. Um, it was the first offering that I made this intro course, the first time I like sat down in front of the camera. And even though I have this fantasy of like going back to it and, you know, tightening up certain parts or like adding in certain details or just cleaning up some of the camera work, there's another part of me that looks at that and just feels this kind of overwhelming, like looking at your 
child self yeah. like look at baby and it wasn't that long ago but I'm like look at baby me so new in front of the camera like aren't you adorable yeah <laughs> I think I'll yeah. always have a soft spot for this version like this yeah I think you should leave it as it is it's amazing yeah <laughs> thank you thank you <coughs> sorry oh god I have the cuffs um thank you so much for everything for sharing that for creating this beautiful chorus and for telling us about your practices and where you're coming from today. I really look forward to sharing this episode with everyone and I'm going to put everything in the show notes so people don't have to remember necessarily. And yeah, just thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> you are so welcome, Sarah. It's been wonderful talking to you today. I'm laughing that you're kind of coughing and sniffling because I'm looking at this beautiful profile photo of her where there's flowers under her nose. <laughs> And I'm just like, that's so beautiful. I can see why you're sniffling. You've got all those flowers up under your nose. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, yes, but thank you so much for having me here today. It's so wonderful to get to know you better. I'm loving these little, like, friendship interviews, mm -hmm. getting in with people. Um, and thank you for sharing the work. I look forward to having some more folks come gather around the fire and talk spirit work with us and yes. share their interesting questions. There's always that, like, selfish motivation like yes more questions delicious <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> more perspectives that helps all of us <laughs> yeah that's totally true yes thank you see you soon bye all right bye, bye. bye.